Gefilte fish is like gross. It's like looks like a matzo ball. So you're like, oh, this is gonna be fun, and then you eat it, and it's just like, it's like a flavorless like cod hamburger. It like sucks. And there's also this uh, children's book about um, there's this girl whose parents like keep a huge fish in the bathtub, and they like become friends, and she like poops next to it and stuff, and then the parents are like. Guess what? We killed it to make the worst food ever. <laughs> it's like it like fucking made me so mad as a kid. And I, I I mean, I don't see how that's not an anti-Semitic book. I know it's supposed to be one of those books that's like about like Jewish cultural identity, but really it's just like it makes it seem like the parents are like um working the kid up to get ready for human sacrifices. Honestly, yes, it's like you you can't hesitate uh when you see an animal who uh you kind of recognize as, as like sort of human y or has some sort of humanity to it you have to strike with a cold heart you have to cut it open yeah and there's like so much good stuff you can make with fish like it's true but like gefilte fish is like the worst thing you can make it like, really I'm sorry, true. It sucks. it's like the, those guys the jews and the scandinavians it's like i understand why you guys had to do this at one point but there is no need to keep doing this stop it you, you we, we have modern refrigeration techniques modern food preparation you do not have to do this to these poor fish well i mean like Pescado Frito is great, and that was invented by uh, Sephardis in Spain. That's where fish and chips came from. Yes. But the Ashkenazis, you know, we made, uh, we were like, oh, we can do that too. Watch. Watch what we do with fish. Check it out. It's the worst shit ever made. <laughs> it's the thing that no one else but us does. <laughs> like, everyone does fish and chips now. No one, no other culture is like, hey, yeah, no, we have our own spin on gefilte fish. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to do it. Yeah. You don't go to like New Orleans and there's some guy like, yeah, I got this new fusion restaurant. We do on curry style gefilte fish. <laughs> we took all the flavor out. Now it just tastes like salt water that you left in a bathtub. Oh, I tell you what, I tell you what, we cured, we cured that, we cured that fish there with some good urine. <laughs> oh, yeah. We made, you got to get nice, you got to get that, that ammonia taste. That's what you want out of it. ammonia <laughs> From, that come from pee, mon ami. Oh, my. You slap your mama. And then you apologize and tell her that you are going to medical school next year. <laughs> I think we should... Uh Officially start the show. Yeah. yeah. Hello, yeah. it's Chapo, and this is a uh, really momentous Chapo episode because this represents the first time the three of us were in the same room since I think election night. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been yeah, a while. It's been a fucking been way too long. Yeah. We're all vaxxed up. We're it all, is. We're all. Uh, we're all Bill Gates clones, yeah. and we're ready to mingle again. Well, it, not me. I didn't get any of the American ones or Sputnik. I got the. I got the one they made in Portugal. Using stem cells from cod. Oh no! And Madeira. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, uh, Bill Gates scamdemic is over. It is a joy to be breathing the same air as you gentlemen again. We are here on the sunny uh, West Coast in Los Angeles. We are. We have been here less than twenty four hours, and we are already engaged in like a war of attrition with another piece of shit Airbnb host. Well, I am. I mean, I I am, but I'm winning. It's like um. I consider it like it's like a battle of two equals, and by equals, I mean equals and like just two men who are annoying and awful. But I don't think he was prepared for how far I'm willing to take this. Two men who share uh, landlord genealogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah, um, it's just uh, our internet is fucked up and we need it to like upload the episode and get a bunch of other shit done. And it sort of spiraled from there. Not my fault. I will say, like, um, for the this is going to be a special three-hour episode where I read my entire correspondence with the Airbnb <laughs> thing and it ends with a call to action to any mentally ill veterans <laughs> who are listening. Just kidding. Uh, but no, I'm in the right. Any, any court of law would and we'll see it this way this is going to the supreme court my so fight against the Airbnb so let's just raise one hundred twenty thousand dollars for uh palestine we're gonna do another big um like activism oriented <laughs> twitch stream about our our civil like small claims court case against yeah. an airbnb owner in la yeah. i mean like this is a this is a long pedigree for us because i remember the first time we all came to la we stayed in this fucking like Michael Mann fucking like just, yeah. just mansion overlooking white cubes overlooking silver. Yeah, you can overlook awesome. the silver lake. It was fucking. It was it was so sick. But like for some reason, I mean, I, th- I know I've been told the show the the story on the show before, but for some reason, like we allowed the house to get like infested by ants and midge flies. Somehow, okay, somehow we, we allowed this to any, happen. We didn't. That was not our fault. That was. Like, I mean, we left the doors open. How? Who else else fault was it? By we, I mean not me. I didn't. <laughs> well, okay, I mean I wanted. Okay, look. I, I wanted a nice breeze, okay? I wanted that nice Southern California air. But no, like, and, but like one of the, you know, one of the things that was like, 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 you know, there's this amazing backyard area that has all this seating and like a fire pit. It was so nice. And we had like, you know, the first night we were there, we, have a couple, we had a couple people over. Just, you know, pretty low-key chill hang, just like crack a few beers in the backyard, just and enjoy the company of your friends, some, some light conversation. It was about eight o'clock. And like the, from the house next door, there were just like the plaintive wails of this person going, please, please stop. This is illegal. They're not supposed to be here. My child has to go to private school tomorrow. And I mean, honestly, just like these people, they need to be disciplined. They need to be disciplined, okay? Like, I'm not. It's not my fault for taking advantage of the uh, like illegal hotels being run in your. I mean, it literally is. I mean, it literally fault. is your fault. <laughs> literally, yeah, it is. We yeah. all deserve to be decapitated by Los Zetas. Well, this is this is the last Airbnb we'll stay at. Like, I, they I really, think we have to stop after this. Like, this they is, really suck. They I mean, suck so bad. Like, it's we like, have to stop. But I like hanging out with people, though. Like, if I'm going to spend just get, like, place. big hotel rooms. I don't know. It's, it's like it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, it's better. Like this, like nothing like works. It's always like it's always owned by just like the most annoying person in the community. It's just it sucks. It's like not good. No, it's like every like every fucking Airbnb you stay at. Like I mean, people stay there because they want to party. They want to hang out with friends. They want to have a good time. And then like you leave and you're like, oh well, I've you know put everything back where it should be. Like you know, okay, there's like you know no spills and everything's damaged. I made the bed or whatever. And then like you get some angry message where they're like, when we sent our team of cleaning people to the house there was garbage in the garbage can we did literally that one person literally did say that and that was like a house that we spent a lot of time cleaning up um but i i I, that's i don't know i personally enjoy the arguing process i don't think they expect someone like me someone who will go very far in arguing this um but i understand most other people do not have that gene um but I really do think we have to like stop after. Like this sucks, dude. This is like it's like always annoying. Well, I mean, we, shit, the place is beautiful. I love the fucking backyard. But if we can't like you know talk out there or yeah. have fucking like you know uh, any, have anyone over, it's just like what the fuck. Is well, the we point? can stay inside and like look at this guy's like idiotic art. Like the shit this guy has up in here. It's like every Airbnb is this way, where it's like 
it's a movie poster and then like a a picture from India, like a photo of <laughs> India, and then like yeah, an Elton John poster. Yeah, like, he just got a picture it's like of all Elton making John. Me mad, yeah. Like, uh, this is funny. Last night, uh, it says, there's, there's 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 a mirror in the other room across from the Elton John poster, and Matt was looking in the mirror, going, "Is that Elton John?" Not realizing he was looking at a, a mirror image. I knew I was looking. at Okay, a yeah, image. but you were Come you on. were looking at a picture. I was just pointing at it because it's what I was seeing. Yeah, you're looking at yourself, a gay no. man. No, no, wrong. Not is true. it Elton John by? That's what he said in oh, the seventies. I, mean, I guess every guy in the seventies said that. Yeah, that's true. That was what that was the by decade. Yeah, well, that was when it came out. It was having a moment. We're uh, we're back. God, we're back together again. Back here in the same room. We're all we're already. Just riffing out A plus material, like what if Joe Biden awarded White Zombie, uh, uh, Rob Zombie, the uh, Kennedy Center honors? There are a lot, a lot of guys who tr- tr- try to be scary, try to wake up, and you know they, they, they get they get in their Buicks or their Eldorados. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Eldorado. They're not going to get in a car that Dracula would drive. Yeah, there are a lot of guys around here. You know, I think greatest honor of my life. You. you you know, quick shout out to John McCain. He said, he said, he said, Joe, I've seen a lot of things, but sometimes the guys who hang out with the scariest ghosts are the greatest guys of all. <laughs> That's, I want to honor today your friend, my friend. We all came around and talked to him. You all know this guy. Pick him out of the lineup, man. You probably have. Rob Zombie. <laughs> man, I said, just, man, my dad could slam in the back of a Dracula. <laughs> That's like that's been the event I've been envisioning since I like really started thinking Biden could win is when he's going to give the Kennedy Center honors to Rob Zombie. Yeah, which Trump would never do. No, no, no. It's too frightening for him. Yeah, yeah. he is scaredy cat. He's scared of dogs. Of course, he's scared of Dragulas. Yeah, Trump is not giving an award to anyone but like Wayne Newton. Yeah, like those were the types of people who got that. Yeah, award. Charles Nelson Riley. Yeah, <laughs> if you were on the Hollywood Squares, he he, he remembers you. <laughs> Paul he Anka. Wants, yeah. He wants to dig you up and and pin a. Presidential Medal of Freedom on you. Yeah, but Joe Biden, I could legitimately see him giving an award to Rob Zombie and like just like doing some insane speech about how like you know he came home from like a hard day of like making deals with Jesse Helms and in like 1998, and his like he heard this infernal racket from his daughter's bedroom and like came in to you know be like turn it down at a rough day and it was more human than human and he's like. I'm start, I started rocking. <laughs> like he liked it. <laughs> like I, I, I no think one, I, no one, it, man is, is is scarier than this fella. But sometimes being scared is what is what, what makes us feel alive. <laughs> He's like, and Rob Zombie. I don't know anything about his politics, but I feel like he would be one of those like older dudes who's like, I've seen a lot of like fucked up rock and roll stuff, but nothing is fucked up is what I saw on January sixth. Let's. Impeach this bastard. That was, the, that was the truly. That was the real House of a House thousand of corpses. House of Representatives of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, okay. right. Because those remember the uh, the, uh, the Capitol riot. You guys know all these things were like Democrats when they wanted they wanted to have a bipartisan hearing on this, which is fucking hilarious that they would even. Think of, think to do that in the first place, like someone put this out, like, and then of course it's not going to happen because the Republicans were like, uh, yeah, like it, we'll only do this if you talk about left wing violence as well. But like, how many fucking independent hearings did the Republicans have about fucking Benghazi? And it's like it's funny, the same amount of people died in both events. 
both were about as significant, like historically or otherwise. And also, most of the people who died in January 6th were like, it was just like you, they ran laps around the Capitol and then ran directly into a cop's handgun and got their heart exploded. <laughs> like, that's like how most people in January 6th I think died. it was three people, with mo- like three people, one of them got murked by the cop. Actually, and one of them yeah. just his heart exploded because he was asked to go upstairs for the first time. And then somebody had like a, their, their heart exploded from meth or something. That's it. There's it. Not even that cop didn't even get killed. That didn't even happen. The full, oh, he got beat to death with a, a fire extinguisher like an irreversible. Nope. He fucking had a stroke the next day because once again, he was asked to go up some stairs. It's like oh, all that all the 20, the real horror unveiled by January twenty uh, January sixth was America's cardiovascular health. <laughs> it had nothing to do with assault on our democracy. Who gives a shit? That's why, like those Larry King. Do you remember the Larry King garlic ads? Oh yeah, those were awesome. Take it from me, I've had fifteen heart attacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, Larry, is Larry King? Did Larry King have more wives or heart attacks? <laughs> he had an awesome. Right, line. He, was an, he was an all time pussy guy. One hundred. He had an awesome line in the garlic ads that's like so insane it couldn't happen today during like in today's like streamlined uh very antiseptic joss whedon-esque ad reads where larry king goes i try to think about how good it is for me but i can't concentrate because it tastes so good (laughs) (laughs) it's like that's a real he's like you say he orders some spaghetti and meatballs and he just pours a bottle of garlic pills on top of it. <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are garlic pills? It's I garlic. Don't, I don't remember it's this. Gar, it's, it's garlic, essence of garlic in a pill because it's like... It's uh, good for your heart. Yeah, it's good for your yeah. heart. It reduces uh, reduces LDLs, as they say. If but they, I mean, it's all snake oil. Who cares? If, yeah, if, if they had listened to Larry King, they'd be with us today. That's true. Yeah, if those people had had their garlic... But you know he's a member. He's from the Clinton News Network. He's a, he's a, one of the baby eaters. They can't listen. Oh, to him. speaking of the Clinton Crime Family News Network, did you see the story today that uh, Chris Cuomo was on like strategy calls with his brother about how to deal with his sexual harassment allegations? Well, he's just, why is his but brother? Like, why does he have that job yeah, in the exactly, first place? Like, I remember uh, when they were yucking it up during the height of fucking COVID. Hey, Mama tells me to finish your meatballs. I'm like, this isn't funny. You fucking guineas, stop this. Yeah, they're just like. 10,000 elderly people dying every day specifically because of him and they're like oh I I, I bet I could still throw a spiral you can't <laughs> it's like this is the worst shit I've ever seen yeah it's in my like life. it's already this out in the out, like the, there's no journalistic integrity it's all no one takes any of this shit seriously and all of our uh all of this agita comes from us like trying to apply standards that no one is actually applying and yeah what what do you expect him to do? Well, it's CNN his brother. Today, it's his brickin' brother. What am I gonna do? He's in trouble. Well, CNN today said that uh, he be, he behaved inappropriately, but he won't be disciplined in any way. And like this coming on the heels of I just I just saw a story about how the AP just fired some guy because he was in like a Palestinian young pro- woman. Oh yeah, no, it was, it was a, a woman, young yeah. woman who was in a pro Palestinian group in college. Yeah, and it's I wonder how many former members of Hillel they've fired. Yeah, uh, yeah, Emily Wilder. And it's like, yeah, she didn't. I saw like all those um, Israeli guys whose job it is to like defend Israel online, whose like heads all look like foot, feet. They were making hay out of this because she like when she was like you know like nineteen, she made a tweet like making fun of Sheldon Adelson, and I'm pretty sure she's like Jewish. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Of course she is. Yeah, and those yeah. are the Amer- the Americans who care about Palestine are Jews and Palestinians for the most part, mm-hmm. one way or the other. But yeah. No, it's fucking, it's, 
in sand. Well, it's and the sand. evangelical Christians. That's probably yeah, the most. Yeah, but they people. like just. What do they do? They don't get jobs in media. They just sit in their fucking man caves and, and kill themselves with port cracklings. I yeah, mean, it's just fandom for them. They're not actually investing in it. Right. Yeah. They they like they just make like embarrassing posts. They just make yeah the posts that are like, oh, I'd sure love to be arrested by you, gals. <laughs> <laughs> like all those Israeli chicks with insane fillers in the IDF. Oh, I'd like to call and charge on myself. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, there's evangelical money that goes into it, but that's like institutional. Yeah. Like, these are just these guys are just like horny losers. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the the other the other the other news item that like, this one's probably pretty stale by now, but uh, I've been thinking about it. Like, uh, Liz Cheney being stripped of her uh, leadership position in the Republican Party. The idea that. I or anyone would be made to care about this shit at all is so offensive to Don't me. Don't care. Like I like I I hope that like I hope that the Republican Party sends her to jail for the rest of her life too for for disrespecting Trump. Cuz it's like I know a lot of people would be like, "Well, why? Like doesn't this set a bad precedent?" And I'm like, "Look, anything that gets the job done. Anything to get someone with the last name Cheney in prison, I'm in favor of." And the funny thing is like the person they replaced her with is actually less conservative than Liz Cheney. I mean, yeah, it's not like she's, she's been, be- it's like she's better or anything like that. Like it's a, it's it's a you know dimes worth of difference between the two of them. But Liz Cheney did technically vote with Donald Trump more in lock than the the, the lady from Staten Island that they've replaced yeah, her but with. The only thing that matters is whether you agree with the that the election was stolen because like who voting for things that doesn't matter. What matters is what was on TV and the thing that's on TV was the election and it getting stolen and now. That is the new line. It's the only line that matters is was the election stolen? And they're they're going to kick out the people who won't go along with that. It's particularly maddening because everyone who's demanding you care about this is like, no, I know Liz Cheney is like bad, but this is about the integrity of elections. And it's like, do do you remember who her dad is? Yeah. Do you remember how they got in there? No, it like doesn't matter whether they're doing it in this like, you know, buffoonish Trump way. Or if they're doing it in the James Baker way, the legal way. Well, the James Baker court. way gets fucking results, right? I mean, yeah. All this shit that they, all Trump did, he just, he literally was like, "I'm gonna just say it was, uh, it was stolen, and expect other people to fix it for me." I mean, like the people who are gonna fix it for him are like the series, like the Heritage Foundation, like what they're doing right now with these bills that they're drafting and just giving to legislators in battleground states that are like one thousand percent about voter suppression. Yeah, one thousand percent. That was that was all of the actual like institutionally invested Republicans who could have stole who could have backed Trump and which so many liberals are terrified of. They held back because he wasn't worth the investment of energy. What they knew, though, is that they're now going to have a whole new Republican orthodoxy around election theft that's going to help them steal the next election. And the the way that doesn't require like uh DMing the Joint Chiefs of Staff (laughs) so that he'll send fucking tanks down Broadway. You don't have to do it that you don't have to lose the norms which they very much are invested in maintaining and, and the 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 patina of of democratic uh well if anything process. It's, it's the norms that allow them to just like exactly. have donors that's directly why they write legislation that that's why like, it was yeah. never in their interests to tear tear the veil by by just marching in the streets or or, or abrogating actual votes but to be clear like the the orthodoxy about elections that we're talking about is that it is on its face illegitimate for anyone other than them to win an election in, yeah, in, in a battleground because they state. represent I mean, obviously, it's it boils down to just interest, and all the democratic stuff is just is just window dressing. But I mean, at, at the degree to which there is an actual belief, the belief is that the people who vote for Republicans are actually 
uh, who are, are people who can exercise a free franchise because they are uh, homeowners or business owners or something or taxpayers and people who don't have the, who are at the mercy of the state in some way in their mind cannot legitimately exercise a democratic franchise like that's they believe that and so there's no amount of gotching you can do to to own them for being anti-democratic sure, yeah, because no. they think yeah. no democrat democracy is good when it is a, the demos has been defined by me, but well, everyone. But does everyone that. believes that. That's exactly. Everyone, everyone believes, believes that. that, which is why this why it's, this is the most frustrating and pointless thing to observe as an argument because everyone is dancing around their actual desires here. They're trying to sell an idea to the other side, and it's like it's, it's one thing when you are talking about politics. You know, uh, maybe in the '90s at the end point where you still have a macro, you still have a monocultural media, you still have like a, a vital center in the middle that's like up for grabs. Now you just have two mobilized sides. Everybody else is checked out. Everyone is being disingenuous to try to persuade people who are not either paying attention or persuadable. I feel the exact same way about free speech. Yes. Like I would very much like to disenfranchise a large section of this country, and I would very much like to, I don't know, yeah, remove the civil rights of the same group of people. And it's just a, it's a it's a prisoner's dilemma to see who does it first, you know. But like, I feel the opposite. I don't know. I'm like, well, I mean, it's like who's who do we? Who are we talking about when we talk about that? I wouldn't say voters or regular people, no matter how dumb their opinions are, because for the most part, politics we want to apply uh, morality to it. And yes, there is some dim moral uh, consequence for supporting a president or supporting a political party up to and including voting for him. But it's mostly just an affect and a fandom. And, and you put a moral patina on it, but it really isn't. It's, it's defined mostly by geography and by happenstance, where you grow up, who you grow up around. And the, the danger isn't those people's participation or engagement in politics or anything. It's the fact that all of the terms are set by literal Draculas. And the Draculas need to actually not have rights. They certainly can't have the rights to access to uh, private property, uh, and and control of things like the media uh, and the political system that is that is uh, technically a civil right under the constitutional order. I mean, like, thing about free speech though is that like I'm I'm in favor of it because like under the system that we live under, like it provides like the best possible protection for like my political beliefs and things that I say for a living, basically. You know? Yeah. I'm kind of I don't know. I'm kind of an absolutist in both, but I don't know. I mean, you you know what I think that like. Not only should there be like further constitutional protections on speech, but like Louis Farrakhan and like uh, anyone with uh, LaRoche's beliefs and like Bob Avig, like everyone should have a show on CNN. Everyone should be well, able I mean, yeah, to that vote. Would be- like, no, I, 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 because I think that's like one of the th- one of the few things where it's like we're more advanced than Europe in. I don't know. I'm categorically against anything restricting those. Really, categorically against hate speech laws. I'm not really against. I'm, I don't. I'm, I'm kidding about uh, taking away the uh, pol- political free speech of my uh, my enemies. Even though I'd like to do that, like just theoretically. But what I mean is that like th- th- all of these debates about free speech or like cancel culture or whatever. Like Matt is exactly right. Everyone is dancing around the fact that like the the rules that you think are just and democratic are the ones that favor your side. Yeah. That's it. And we have to pretend that we're arguing about something else because we're subconsciously arguing in behalf, uh, arguing in front of an audience that we think is going to determine it. We think that there's some other group of people, some third group of people observing this contest 
that is going to en masse make a decision and pick one side or the other and end the conflict once and for all. But that might have existed at some point in American history, but they have tuned out or picked a side. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I don't think, I, I think like all the like 2014, you know, or 2004, 2005 internet arguments of like, the First Amendment's actually more dangerous to the government than the second. It's like, neither are. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the point of it. The point of it is that I think it's like one of the few consolation prizes like normal Americans get for this system is that like ideally, when it's ideally practiced, when it's not, when you're not like at the mercy of uh, mercurial and opaque law enforcement practices, which like pretty big if that it is one of the few like nice things I get uniquely about living in America. And I'd like to keep it that way, and I'd like to expand it because I, I don't know. I do think I do think there's something to it, just as far as a good part of life. But to like to 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 to, to functionally in a way that like would matter, like you said, where Louis Farrakhan, Bob Avakian, and mm-hmm. Lyndon LaRoche all are given uh, op-ed columns in major newspapers and shows on CNN on news programs, like to to mandate that that to happen, which functionally would be like a actual meaningful uh, exercise of free speech in the public forum. Um, would necessarily mean taking away the rights of the people who own those yes, platforms. Absolutely. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And their free their free speech rights to you know uh, to to have Chris Cuomo have a fucking right, show no. on TV. Well, I, I think like one of the only ways you could like really protect truly free speech is by increasing government funding and ownership of media and entertainment yeah, that's by like twenty fold yeah. at minimum. I think that's the only way you could do it. Well, the good news is instead we're going to get uh, Palantir going through everybody's Facebook posts to find out if they're an extremist. All right. Well, actually, that, that, that's a good segue into our two major stories for the day. You guys ready to get paranoid? I, I, I got to say, I felt like I was recovering from my Epstein brain and I had done a good, decent job of like contextualizing all like the the paranoid sh- deep state shit that you read about without it taking over my mind and i was at this nice middle point where i'm like you know maybe at the margins but uh, at the end of the day these systems are basically reasserting themselves in the, in the marketplace they don't really need a lot of help from uh, the 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 darker corners of intelligence but then goddamn it this stuff has to come out all right. Well, the first story I want to talk about, Matt, uh, you, you brought this story to my attention this week. And I was like, uh, it's from 2017. And I was just just finding out about it now. But goddamn, this story floored me. This comes courtesy of uh, CNN. Uh, the headline is how a suicidal pizza man found himself ensnared in an FBI terrorist. Day. Yeah, this and, is like horrifying. this story is so fucking terrifying. Uh, it says here. Every day was the same for uh, Khalil Abu Rayyan, 21, a depressed pizza delivery man from Dearborn Heights, Michigan. Working for a pizzeria in Detroit, he'd drive late nights on desolate inner city streets, smoking pot, hoping to keep boredom at bay. He carried a pistol to protect himself from robbers. Ryan wished that he could meet a girl, but his strict Muslim parents didn't allow him to date. He'd been troubled since the age of 12 when he was sent into counseling after telling his teacher he had a nightmare about bringing a gun to school and killing everyone in class. Tormented by bullies, he later got into fights that led to at least three suspensions. When he was 17, he started using marijuana. Okay, so like right off the bat, like in the first two paragraphs of this story, you have such a fucking just vivid and bone deep sense of just like absolute loneliness in America. And just like people who are just like that, that isolation and loneliness and just feeling like that you were totally, totally alone. 
and you're just like yeah. just like driving the streets of Michigan, just smoking pot to like you know feel like you know just just like you said keep boredom at bay, you know like make make it just sort of okay that like nothing's going on in your life, and just feeling like you really want to you really want a girlfriend, you really want something. Your parents like uh, don't let you do anything. Uh, you're bullied mercilessly, and like the, the, this is exactly the kind of young man who the FBI takes special note yeah. of, and and not just that, not just like the incredible crushing loneliness the thing that really like broke my heart about this is everyone from the time this guy was like a kid till now anyone who is supposed to be looking after or like looking out for the best interests of people like him doesn't like he he if you are like a mentally ill like person you think you think may be prone to like an outburst it's like that's the right thing to do right if you have like a dream you bring a gun to school isn't that should be the right thing to do? Be like, hey, I really don't want to do this. Something's going on with my brain that I don't fully understand. And it's just like instantly like, no, fuck you, freak. We're, we're going to ruin your life. He, it like impedes his ability to make friends, do anything. And But then he still like does what they tell you you're supposed to do. He like gets a job and pays his fucking taxes and like just tries to be a member of a world that will not accept him or accommodate him in any way won't make it less painful or anything and then the state this massive entity that he's otherwise had the only interactions he's had with it are like yeah being fucking locked down because he like told a teacher about something that he should have told them about is this the most horrifying fucking thing so it talks yeah. about like um in, in in the midst of his like uh, depression and total alienation, he started getting into ISIS videos and started posting like you know like very I mean, very, amongst very, us, very snick like you know like the ISIS snow films online and began like you know using the vernacular of like ISIS terrorists to describe himself and just as a way to kind of like I said. Um, cut an image of himself as some sort of like fearsome, scary yeah. individual, or like you know, just feel something. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm, and again, like, yeah, I get, I, you shouldn't like get into ISIS and post ISIS shit, <laughs> no, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, okay, the reason you don't get into ISIS, the reason ideally that most Americans do not find these ideas attractive, is because they are a member of society or they're a member of something larger than them that they are getting something out of. I. First of all, I don't think this guy would ever act on this. But second of all, like, how do you tell this guy, like, no, you're part of this project? No, you're not. No, he's fucking not. He's never been allowed to be a part of this. So, like, like yeah, of course he does this, like, stupid, edgy shit online. He has yeah, nothing else. He does this dumb edgelord shit. And then because it's America, of course, like, he he, he gets a gun and begins yeah. posting photos of himself, like, holding a gun because, like, it's just, like, I mean, join the fucking party. Like, that's half of what people fucking do yeah. in this country. Um, but the story, the story gets worse here. It says about about a week after Ryan posted the picture of the rifle, a woman named Gada contacted him on Twitter. She described herself as a, Pakist a Pakistani girl in Cleveland whose parents were pressuring her into an arranged marriage. Within days, Ryan and Gada were making wedding plans, even though they had yet to meet in person. She was Ryan's first girlfriend. I mean, goddamn! Like this is. I mean, you, you know where this is going, but this yeah. is so brutal to read about. Like. He goes, while I was driving, I started to cry because now happy, I am happy to have you, Ryan wrote. Don't cry, my love, please, Gada replied. It is the tears of joy. I've never felt this way before. I wish I could give you a great big hug. You have no idea. I could just jump through this phone right now. I need you. You have me from our first tweet. Ryan told Gada that he and his father planned to visit her in Cleveland so that they could plan the wedding. And suddenly, Gada was gone. 
She stopped replying to his messages. She disappeared completely, and Ryan didn't know why. Two days after Gata vanished, Ryan got a message from a young woman named Jana. She said she was a 19-year-old Sunni Muslim. Unlike Gata, Jana expressed no interest in a conventional romantic relationship. She said she wanted to martyr herself for ISIS, an act of vengeance against the coalition troops and Shia militants in Syria and Iraq who had killed her husband and two of her cousins. It's like I knew you my whole life, wrote Ryan. I will ask you to marry me, but not now. Please don't rush me, wrote Jana. I'm depressed and very scared. Jana said she dreamed of committing a suicide attack with Ryan as an expression of undying love. I'm not crazy, Khalil, Jana wrote. It is my imam, faith. It is what I believe. Jihad is my dream. Honestly, you need to think about what you want, Ryan wrote. I can't be in this game. Ryan wasn't that into the idea of violent jihad as an expression of spiritual love. He repeatedly told Jana that she should rethink her plans and marry him instead. They could be happy. They could start a family. Don't do anything that will hurt you, yourself, or other people, Ryan wrote. He later added, depression is real, but don't let it ruin your life. So, yeah, this guy, like, it's just everything is heartbreaking about it. And, like, even though this guy's life has been fucking awful and he's gotten his heart broken in a billion different ways, he's still like, no, you, like, shouldn't do ISIS. Yeah, yeah, exactly. like, like, even with yeah. his, like, dumb, like, you know, like, uh, pretending to be ISIS and doing the finger yeah. pointing and, like, you know, posing with guns and shit and doing edgelord stuff. It's like when confronted with, like, what appeared to be the real deal, he was just you know, like, yeah, like. I'm, I've been depressed too but like that doesn't mean you should like kill yourself or yeah. other people like you know this is not you shouldn't do that like we can be together and but at least I mean she, it sounds like she's kind of problematic you know these dreams of suicide bombing but I think he might be able to fix her how'd it go as Ryan tried to convince Jana that martyrdom was a foolish choice he confessed to her that he had struggled with violent thoughts himself he said he wanted to kill the cop who had pulled him over for speeding he claimed falsely that there was a sword in his car. He blustered that he once had completed shooting up a church near his pizza shop and he didn't intend to spare the women and children. So like he, uh, weeks of desperate messages to Jana culminated with a full foreboding phone conversation. Ryan told her that he had purchased a rope to hang himself. Only in like a minute or two it'll be over, said Ryan. My family is going to be sad for a little while, but they'll get over it. Jana responded that the only proper way for Muslims to kill themselves is in an act of violent jihad. So... I mean, you could like I said, like I'll, I'll. There's a lot more in this story, but like basically, both of the women he was conversing with were FBI agents. Well, no, were, one of them was from an undisclosed agency. Oh, okay, yeah. But one of the other one was from an FBI. So, agent. so like, yeah, like they, 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 they catfished this poor, depressed loner who was like, you know, dealing with like uh, suicidal thoughts and, like I said, like this a a, a history of uh, semi unstable and like threatening, like, you know, a web presence. Right. But like they, like as their relationship with the second woman, like matures, the woman keeps demanding ever more stridently that he commit a mass shooting yeah. for her. And if it's like he had bought the rope to kill himself, presumably he could be pushed over the edge of like committing a massacre where he then kills himself. And that's when you start to wonder how many times has this fucking happened? And how many times has, the person not been someone like this who still has some bearing about themselves and is like, no, I shouldn't like take others with me if I'm doing this or if I'm feeling this way. How many people have died for this? I think there's so many people who hope that one day the government will start uh, uh, mandating, or the government will start issuing uh, girlfriends. That's, that's a longstanding incel uh, a demand is government issued girlfriends. This is what the, this is an actual government issued girlfriend program that you're going to get, no matter who's in charge. The, the, your government issued girlfriend is going to be a guy in a windbreaker in Quantico, catfishing you and convincing you 
to take a fucking anime sword into a Dave and Buster's. That is your government mandated girlfriend. Um, it just says here, like, um, and like, and like, as as the conversation, like, she, she, like, the the, the person he's talking with, um, begins to like just like really up the pressure on him to be like, if you love me, you'll do this, you know, like to just like goad him into like you know committing an act of mass violence on American soil. It says here, uh, but like basically in the conversation. Ryan reiterated over and over again that he did not want to hurt anybody else. He was only interested in taking his own life. If I did it to myself, it would be easier, said Ryan. I wouldn't get in trouble. I'm not trying to get arrested again. Two days after the call, Ryan got an unexpected visit. Federal agents arrested him for the possession of a firearm by an unlawful user of a controlled substance. Ryan didn't have a new pistol. He didn't have any guns. The firearm in question was the revolver that Detroit police had confiscated months earlier during the traffic stop. So after they failed to get this guy to do a mass shooting, they just arrest him on some fucking like ticky-tack fucking gun charge. I yeah. guess it's like we waste. That's the that's the penalty for wasting their motherfucking time. Yeah, we have, we we put in overtime on this shit. And by and by waste their time, we don't even mean just like oh they could have like they would have arrested him as he gone out the door and been like oh we prevented it. Oh yeah, they would have prevented it for sure. Yeah, the amount of goading in this story, the amount of mass shootings where it comes out like a month later, the FBI is like oh yeah no we knew about this guy, we knew well, we we knew everything about him. How many? How many people have been goaded into this? Yes. How many? There's one that we know for sure, which was the uh, the Texas it was a, Draw Muhammad contest, yeah. where an FBI agent was goading this dude into doing shooting the place up, texting "tear up Texas" to them, and then when this dude shows up at the at the at the hotel, it was, it was Pam it was like Gellers. Fucking, it, it was, was like a, a La Quinta or something, and he's going to shoot up this this contest, and he ends up getting into a shootout with uh, some like cops and security guards. Instantly gets murked classic uh, fail shooter move where you like you don't really know how the gun works and you immediately get neutralized the fbi agent who had been in contact was fucking in the parking lot taking pictures of it right before it happened and got busted by the cops leaving the scene we know that for a fact omar mateen his uncle was like a a a person who the fbi was in contact with significantly he's the guy uh, who did the pulse nightclub yes. shooting which did kill like 50 people yes. uh and of course like the granddaddy is a, is the boston marathon bomb oh yeah where you have the fact that uh that tamerlane sarnayev was most likely responsible for a triple murder that happened in waltham massachusetts the investigation for which was taken over by the fbi and then not followed up on and then after the bombing their friend who two fbi agents go to interview they say they like he attacked them with a broomstick mm -hmm. and then he ended up with a bullet in the, in the back, back of the yeah. head in the back of the head and they instantly uh deported his wife to russia so that yeah like, she couldn't the, uh, the fsb was like warning the fbi that these guys had gone and gotten training in dagestan and it never got it was supposedly never got anywhere and of course the real topper is that to this day the fbi has uh admitted that they do not believe and cannot, and it is not realistic to believe that the Tamerlanes actually made the bombs. They do not think that the Sarnayevs made the bombs. They did not have the uh, the materials or the um, expertise to do it. But they don't know who did. According, they were like, yeah, somebody gave these guys some pressure cooked bombs. Uh, Very similar to Timothy McVeigh, Oklahoma yeah, yes, City. Yeah, yes, yes exactly. Because like, I mean, yeah, like they were they were never able to prove that McVeigh built that bomb or yes. like. 
Yeah, and he was. A there was certainly in, were other people involved there, in it. There were absolutely more people and involved that, that, in that, the one hundred percent. That you know, he was executed before he could. Uh, yeah. you know, yeah, <laughs> to say it, what was going on he, here. But he, like, how many yeah. of those people were either undercover FBI agents or like fucking assets, yeah. right? Yeah, and like, okay, like the example of the Draw Muhammad contest. That was a Draw Muhammad contest that put on by right wing provocateur Pamela Geller, if I remember correctly. She was like one of those like anti jihad yeah. activists, which is like once again. Sort of like similar to Gladio, like these fucking right wing psychos, I think are probably being juiced by or like actively working hand in glove with uh, the government to provoke it, violent it events out, like this. It came out like the day after uh, the the Capitol riot that like the head proud boy who was arrested the day before with just just enough uh, uh, like rifle magazines to qualify as a crime in the district is. Yeah, he was an FBI informant the whole time. Yeah, for years, yeah. for yeah. years. And then they were like right before the Capitol riot, which again, like he fomented as an FBI informant. Yeah. Or and which not even was like allowed to happen. It was allowed to happen. The fucking half forward. of those guards, just uh, half of those Capitol police just like waved them through. They, and now today they get another $1.9 billion for the fucking Capitol Police, the DHS and the National Guard to beef up Capitol security. So, the, uh, the the draw the draw Muhammad the, like that that shooting in Texas and I like remember that happened and like again like basically like I think he shot like a police officer but like he basically yeah. he just got killed yeah right yeah. when the F, the FBI agent who has been texting him tear up Texas you know like uh you know like to show the unbelievers you know that you're that you mean business or whatever was in the parking lot watching him walk into this event presumably knowing full well that he was about to kill a bunch of innocent people yeah so I mean like. At no point is it even suggested that the FBI was like, oh, yeah, we were just going to like snap him right back in right before he did this. Right. Yeah. Like they knew full well. There's an FBI agent that they in were, the fucking parking lot when so he that, went up so there. So that means that like the part as part of this FBI operation, like the success of it was like a shitload of dead bodies, like dead Americans yeah. of dead of a terrorist attack that they could have stopped at any moment. Yeah. But the thing is, like they are trying to do they are tr they are committing terrorist atrocities yeah and like the thing is like with this pizza delivery guy like as everyone said about this like if he had gone through with this mass shooting would anyone know about this story whatsoever yeah no or would anyone no. question it whatsoever and looking back on the last like 20 years or so of like like from the war on terror and probably from even before that but like especially like post 9-11 i think you really have to ask yourself I, I, you know as we like confront like the specter of these like inexplicable like t terrorist atrocities and mass shootings i'm not even talking about the ones that are like explicitly linked to jihad or like uh religiously motivated uh like terrorism i'm talking about like all mass shootings like think about stephen paddock and like i i really don't know at this point like how anyone can say i like i'm not saying like, i think the majority of them are probably just yeah like we have, we have the conditions of this country that we're going to produce mass shootings like the the things that uh, Felix talked about that sense of alienation full, full alienation young males who are in, before they have hit puberty have lost any hope that they can participate in anything about like have themselves. a girlfriend have yeah. a girlfriend even be able to build anything they are the, they are alone forever and that when you have testosterone plus that sense of, that much critical alienation and more guns than any other country in the world per capita, people are going to get popped off. And we don't have a war to send them to because we've privatized war. And we've, we now just draft the, the people who are the, the, the poorest and most desperate. Meanwhile, those kids uh, who are sitting at home are having that same need to like vent and, and create meaning through bloodshed, uh, and they're going to do it. But it's also in the interests of... There's no way to argue against this fact that it's in the interest of these institutions, the yeah. fucking FBI, 
the uh, the the NSA, all and and the 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 political system that that they're out outgrowth of for this stuff to keep happening. Everyone yeah. that they everyone that they uh, they thwart is a is a feather in someone's cap, gets them a promotion, gets them more budget. Uh, and everyone they stop is uh, everyone they don't stop is a justification for them to turn the cranks even harder. And and if you think this is like this has any bearing, like who is president, who controls the House, who controls the Senate, it doesn't. Because if it's Republicans, you can do this to young Muslim men. If you're if you're a Democrat now, you could say like, oh, there is going to be a right wing attack, yep. and just the same, it'll be an alienated guy who's never had a fucking girlfriend, never like really had a friend, and they come in all colors. America yeah. just makes these people now. Yeah. yeah, it's the only thing we make anymore. Yes, and I think like the the common denominator to all these things is like there is nothing on earth if like in terms of like killing. A shitload of innocent American civilians. There is nothing on earth more dangerous than like an FBI asset. Oh my God. Which would mean that actually there's nothing more dangerous to your life and security than the FBI themselves. Like yeah. they are the ones who are plotting and literally not just plotting like to, like to stop them or entrap people, but like literally plotting in the hopes that they will carry out yeah. a mass casualty because attack on can, American they lives. They can thwart it. And good. Everyone gets a promotion. They can fail to thwart it, and good. It's more uh, fear. It's more chum in the bucket. Either way, they don't have to worry. It's no, there's no negative. So they're not really incentivized to always do their best to make sure that they get in there before it happens. And again, like as you said, Matt, like, certainly in America, like, I don't think you can assume that all of them are like some like Gladio-style FBI operation, but like I mean, if you if you look at like the more you look into like most of these things, and again, I totally forgotten about that draw Muhammad contest. Yeah. You know, like it just fades into the background. That like the FBI is not just aware of the individuals behind the trigger, but like are actively like communicating with them, cultivating them as an asset before they do these like terrible uh, yeah. killings. And it's whether it's like the Stephen Paddock thing or just like these these increasing number of like terrifying mass casualty events that just absolutely baffle all reason. The Pulse nightclub shooting, like all this shit. It, it sort of goes back to like our last episode when we were talking about like the, the, this UFO, like limited hangout shit, where it's just like, it doesn't like, part of the point of it is that people are like, this doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. And like the thing is like, I think what they're, like what is sort of going on here, whether it's like UFOs or these like inexplicable acts of like, you know, horror and atrocity is I think like, it creates like a like a destabilization of like metaphysically existentially like what you think is real and possible yes and it's creating yeah. like this very unstable feeling of like so like questioning like the official story or narrative like it doesn't really matter like that's actually part that's actually good for them they want like they want they just want to create this this intense sense of like destabilization and fear in the minds of everyone and the idea that like you can't trust or know anything ever I also think that even if you don't believe that, even if you don't think that they're sitting in, there's like in a room underneath the Pentagon, like how do we destabilize? I think that you can think of it this way then, is that they do all these things not as a direct ordering, I don't think. It's not like, okay, we're going to have a mass shooting here for X cause, we're going to use these guys. What they do is what the, uh, the deep state has done ever since the dawn of the American Empire after World War II and what defined the Gladio operations. It was not some top-down bureaucratic operation. It was the federal, the, the United States government providing funding and protection 
for local criminal elements to do what they were going to do anyway. Right. And the, whatever they did, they knew would be to America's benefit. And the thing is, these are like one FBI agent might be setting up some poor, mentally disabled Muslim kid because uh, he really wants to get uh, the, he wants to be the next special agent in charge of like the Sacramento office. And like he knows that if he gets a fucking scalp, he'll get it. Uh, but somebody else might be doing it because like they're cultivating a fucking whole network of right wing psychos because, because like, oh, we got to know what they're doing. And also what they're doing helps us. And everybody's individual incentives within this structure resonate to create this sense of unreality that is also to the ultimate benefit yes. of the system. So there's nothing to intervene with it and prevent it from happening. The point of this, right, isn't that everything you see is literally preplanned and scripted and like specifically designed and specifically designed to make you insane or to make you subservient. It's that everything is set up in a way that it benefits them and does not benefit incentive you. Incentive structures. Yes. It's about incentive structures throughout a system. All these systems... We live in the United States. We're at the, the, the global headquarters of this global capitalist system that is heaving its last, that is in terminal crisis. And all, everyone within this system, in private sector, in public sector, regular schmucks like you and me, people in these agencies, whether or not they know about Moloch, whether or not they just think they're working in a bureaucracy or they know what they actually are working for, like they've seen into the eyes of the, of the, of the fucking uh, the Illuminati pyramid, all of them are incentivized in the direction towards self-interest. And that... You know, that magnet pulls all those iron filings in one direction, and it is towards uh, more control, uh, the remedying of social conditions that are social crises that are caused by our underlying conditions coming in the form of uh, uh, not in ameliorating them because you can't because the system creates them, but by punishing outliers. Oh, we're creating this mass of alienated people who are prone to uh, antisocial behavior and violence. What are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to smash him with a fucking hammer. But also, like, in, in the general population, just create a feeling of just, like, like of the boredom of, and, and loneliness that we're talking about being punctuated by these, like, you know, uh, media frame, like, you know, like, like, like seeing on TV, like, an, the punctuation of another terrifying act of mass yeah. murder. No, it's like you're sitting here, you're sitting alone in your head because that's where you live. You don't really have a social, you don't have anything like a social existence of most generations of humans to ever exist before you. What you do have is a media landscape that, ma that makes up the world for you. And it's, if it's just people snapping and killing people and like this, this awful smug monoculture, that's the happy face uh, monoculture that says, actually, this is all good. And if there's any problems about it, you need to drink more water. This like psychotic optimism that's covering this obvious fraudulence nihilism becomes very attractive well okay here's the second article that i think is going to frame a lot of what we're talking about this this is from newsweek and like what is like an astonishing story a uh, headline inside of the military's secret undercover army this is by william arkin by the way how the hell is this story in newsweek i thought newsweek was all side boob slideshows <laughs> yeah newsweek newsweek i, I is, thought like barstool bought newsweek newsweek is awesome because it's like if you pick out any Newsweek cover from any period of time, it's the perfect representation of the time. Like if you, if you pick it out from the bounty years from like 1998, oh, it's man. like some idiotic end of history. Probably. Oh yeah, it's that like, was all it. It's like, like, oh, it. It'll be like Jesus Christ, Hindu, <laughs> bisexual Hindu, <laughs> the, the or, or like or like can we can we solve? children having sticky fingers <laughs> and, and it, like it was just like oh you morons you thought you had figured everything out and this was the bullshit you're asking then if you go four years in the future it's like you know 
has is Hezbollah managing grocery stores and putting crushed glass <laughs> and AIDS in your food? And then you go a few years after that, and it's like the Obama era. Everything, like how everything will be fixed. And then you go to now, and it's like funniest bikini vacation, awesome, uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth uh, side boob, uh, Christina Hendricks sex tape. Uh, well, the, I mean, the, the perfect example of that was like uh, the summer of 2001, both Newsweek and Time. The summer of sharks? Had, had, had front page, yeah. like, the you know. Summer the sharks. summer of sharks. Talking like, about, like, the summer of sharks. There's a rise people. in shark attacks. It wasn't even a rise in shark attacks. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. Like, we need. By the to- way, they had something like 12 people or something got killed by sharks in the United States last year, something like that, which is like three times what happened during the summer of shark. And it's like. Kill us all, sharks. We don't fucking care. Well, yeah, they I mean, like, get... they should do a Newsweek article on the number of human on shark attacks. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee you that. Like the, like the great... Jimmy John guy. <laughs> yeah. There should be, like, we should, uh, on the next Voyager spacecraft, we send it into deep space, we should just put, like, 20 Newsweek covers in there from, like, across, <laughs> from, like, 10 years. Cold from every dentist office in yeah, America. And it's like, yeah. this is what we're about. This is who we are. Uh, well, okay, so like I don't know how this ended up in Newsweek, but but this but this this article, like I said, like uh, this piece of reporting here, like very much frames the conversation we've been having here. I'm just gonna the first paragraph here. The largest undercover force the world has ever known is one created by the Pentagon over the past decade. Some 60,000 people now belong to the secret army, many working under masked identities and in low profile, all part of a broad program called Signature Reduction. The force, more than 10 times the size of the clandestine elements of the CIA, carries out domestic and foreign assignments, both in military uniforms and under civilian cover, in real life and online, sometimes hiding in private businesses and consultancies, some of them household name companies. This is basically like, you read this article, and honestly, like, I just... Like everyone who I follow on Twitter or I'm in a group I I'm with, I'm just like I'm assuming that they're part are, of the secret you guys army. You are both in the, in the secret <laughs> army, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's not like I mean, I'm not like doing this now as part of the secret army. Yeah, this is just your real. Yeah, I'm running real, a re- I'm running a report after it when yeah. I'm done. But like, I'm you you done. would be podcasting otherwise. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, like, I gotta say, just right now, I would like to publicly, on behalf of myself anyway, apologize to anyone. Well, I made fun of either publicly or in my head for saying they thought we were a CIA operation. How could you not? Yeah, no, I understand. Out of fucking I understand. Nowhere. It's like, oh, there's this left wing political movement that's all of a sudden articulating itself for the first time in a generation. And then there's these three assholes out of nowhere with a fucking podcast that's all of a sudden on all the media <laughs> yeah. and everyone's talking about it and is determining the shape of like what what like is and is it discussable within the left, literally creating the thing that we're all like participating in. Of course you're gonna fucking yeah, no. think it's the CIA. Oh no, I don't begrudge anyone for thinking that about me. No, I like the it's only like, reason I, get I don't it. know that I know that's not true is because I'm involved in it. But like you why would you take my word for that? I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure. This if is what I was talking about, like, like a, a sense of like edist, and existential then of them, metaphysical doubt. Yeah, yeah, and then one of them is the, the scion of a fucking red diaper family, somebody who helped kill Trotsky <laughs> and was a maybe FBI, KGB, maybe FBI agent. Wasn't an agent, that's for sure. Sure. <laughs> 
All right. Well, no one knows the program's total size, and the explosion of signature reduction has never been examined for its impact on military policies and culture. Congress has never held hearings on the subject, and yet military, the military developing this gigantic clandestine force challenges U.S. laws, the Geneva Conventions, the Code of Military Conduct, and basic accountability. The signature reduction... <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's worst. the worst part. You're not being held accountable. The yeah. secret, the secret uh, army... The shadow force is not being held accountable. I love the idea of like Ted Shackley doing a statement of harm. <laughs> I, as the harm doer, did, you know, did not take into account feelings. Uh, just going on here, like uh, it says here, like uh, there's like again the media. It says the secret life of Jonathan Darby. Every morning at ten a.m. That's my favorite uh, '90s Fox sitcom. Sunday night after Get Life. Stand in the place where you live. Uh, every morning at 10 a.m., Jonathan Darby embarks on his weekly rounds of mail call. Darby is not his real name, but is also not the fake name on his Missouri driver's license that he uses to conduct his work. And the government car he drives, one of a fleet of over 200,000 federal vehicles owned by the General Services Administration, is also not registered in his real name or his fake name, and nor are his magnetically attached Maryland state license plates really for his car, nor are they tra traceable back to him or his organization. Where Darby works and the locations he visits are also classified. Darby's retired from the Army, and he asked that neither his real nor his cover name be used. He served for 20 years in counterintelligence, including two African assignments where he operated in low profile in Ethiopia and Sudan, masquerading as an expat businessman. Now he works for the Maryland-based signature reduction contractor that he asked Newsweek not to identify. That's the other thing. All of this is being me meted out through a vast yep. array of, of, of private corporations who are contracting with the government. Schmasi, schmomas, yeah. What do you mean? We, we're not operating on, uh, on domestic soil. We're contracting <laughs> it out. It's not the army doing it. Stop hitting yourself. Stop contracting for yourself, um, US, so, U.S. population. So it says here, uh, as, as Darby makes his rounds to some 40 or so post offices and storefront mailbox stores in the D.C. metropolitan area, he picks up a trunk full of letters and packages, mailing a similar, similar number from rural addresses. Like, what, like, what, is, he, like, what is he doing? Like, <laughs> like what, what, what are all these packages and letters that are getting sent and collected? This is like, uh, this is like when if your kid is behind in the Curl Scout cookie contest you just buy a bunch of boxes it's like, it's, uh, it's like oh shit we're really our uh the postal use is really dipping well let's just have five hundred thousand american troops just mail shit to each other just to pump up the numbers uh to register and double check the authenticity of his daily take darby logs into two databases one, the Travel and Identity Document Database, the intelligence community's repository of examples of 300,000 genuine, counterfeit, and altered foreign passports and visas. And the other, the Cover Acquisition Management System, a super-secret register of false, identity, false identities where the mechanisms used by clandestine operators are logged. Because here, before the internet, Darby says, before a local cop or border guard was connected to central databases in real time, all an operative needed to be undercover was an ID with a genuine photo. These days, however, especially for those operating under deep cover, the so-called legend behind an identity has to match more than just a made-up name. Darby calls it due diligence, the creation of this trail of fake existence. 
Fake birthplaces and home addresses have to be carefully researched. Fake email lives and social media accounts have to be created. And those existences need to have corresponding friends. Almost every individual unit that operates clandestinely, special operations, intelligence collections, or cyber, has a signature reduction section, mostly operated by small contractors conducting due diligence. There, they adhere to what Darby calls the six principles of signature reduction. Credibility, compatibility, realism, supportability, verity, and compliance. It's like, this is just a a, a long way of saying that there's this huge array of secret, privately contracted government services and agents that are just creating uh, like fake profiles for people online and making it seem like they have friends and talk to each other and post pictures of their cat and shit yeah. like that. Do you think this like all started because like there not was, my cat by the way? There, there was one guy in the government whose mom was like, right, "Go out there and put yourself out there. <laughs> I want to have I want to have grandchildren." And he was like, all right, I need a budget of $10 billion to create a fake life for myself. <laughs> to create like a parallel reality. I mean, it goes on to talk about like all the different like, like spy craft that they use and like all the ways they collect, like uh, but pull data. But I think they're from, burying like, the lead a little bit. Like they're doing all of this on behalf of a shadow army of, of guys who are, and women who are living under false identities and just doing shit. Yeah, that we have no idea yeah, about. Then, like, who are, knows? And that are, are like, say, are sheep dipped uh, into private are companies. like going into the internet, are doing surveillance, presumably, but without what is it? I mean, I guess that's the unlimited part of this obvious yeah. limited hangout. Like, this is one hundred percent a limited hangout. This is like this. This is a fucking Langley, like, or the Pentagon, or whoever, laying this out. Like, okay, this is the the fall uh, sto- storyline is going to involve this thing, and we're going to like plan it. And may and the only thing they're hiding really, they're not they're they're limiting their hangout here is the actual stuff they're doing. But what they leave is so much more powerful. You could fit anything there. And the thing is, as long as it can be anything, that means it is anything. Yeah. And there's this, nothing restraining them. And this they're is, there, we can't stop them. That means they not only can they do anything, they are of course doing everything, because why wouldn't they? And this is this is like a perfect limited hangout because it's enough to make people who pay attention and care about this shit absolutely insane yep. and like rip just chew their fingers off but nothing in here gives you any any indication of even how you would even impede this yeah what are you there supposed no to way. do and that's why i realized like traditionally we think of the intelligence community as wanting to prevent people from finding out what they really do like that was the whole trauma of the church committee right is that it unveiled the family jewels all the stuff these guys had spent two decades trying to keep hidden I think now in like the post-political uh, hyper-reality that we live in, where everybody is totally uh, depoliticized, demobilized, unable to imagine acting in any way in coordination with anyone else politically, uh, that when something like this comes out, all it does is further demoralize you. It's mm-hmm. just one more brick on your head, like your fucking Giles Corey. It's like, how would you ever work up the energy to fight when there's a half a million shadow troops <laughs> Who might be your fucking uh, trivia bar trivia friend? Who are literally there to prevent anything good from ever and, happening? And also, uh, just to bring it back, if we know this is going on, how does like Stephen Paddock happen? Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how does well, how does any crime? These yeah. guys, how, are they, how is there? How do we not have a pre-crime? And of course, obviously, it's like well. There's still things that slip through the cracks, but motherfuck, the stuff that slips through the cracks is so big. Yeah, that you is, have to wonder if and, that's really the incentive structures we were talking about. And back to our UFO story, like the idea that I've like I've seen like in people like attempting to explain this is like 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 yeah like this is this is just like uh, the, the, these are Russian and Chinese drones that like like are able to mask their signature from radar, so it seems like they disappear. And it's just like like 
if, if if that is true and like our government doesn't have the same radar drone technology, like what the fuck have we been spending this money on? Yeah. yeah what are we doing? <laughs> what, the fuck? what are and we, the what are we doing? The Russians are doing like yeah. the Russians have that. The people who inject gasoline and fucking Robitussin into their bloodstream are doing that. I don't fucking think so. It's like if that technology does exist, it's one thousand percent like our technology. It's be, who the, else? The, the who best else? scientist in Russia is Buddy the Sable, <laughs> who figured out his tail can turn on the Roomba and give him a little ride. <laughs> I'm sorry, every little more it says uh, the military doesn't conduct covert operations. Oh, that's, that's the senior a former official says. Oh, all right. Thanks for letting me know, man. And, the, and military personnel don't fight undercover. That is, except when they do. Either, <laughs> yeah, uh, either because individuals are assigned, quote, sheep-dipped to the CIA, or because certain military organizations, particularly those of the Joint Special Operations Command, operate like the CIA, often alongside, alongside them in covert status, where people who depend on each other for their lives don't know each other's real names. Uh, like, there's a lot of stuff about the tradecraft. I'm just going to like skip to the end here where it talks about uh, the, fake, the, the fake hands and fake faces, where there are companies that literally create like jackass bad grandpa masks yeah. to make it seem like boomers are doing uh, false flag terrorist events <laughs> in your neighborhood. And also like there are these like fake fingerprints that allow you, because like the, the big problem now is that like the biometric, yeah, right, the yeah. biometric IDs, like shit that like now I think by the end of this year to fly, you're going to have to have oh, some sort of like that oh, real shit. idea oh, shit. Damn it. Well, if, so if, if you're, you're in a Passport, it's fun. like uh, a, my I, passport's expired. Oh shit! Well, anyway, it's well, just your, uh, uh, wigs. I got to find out what year, what time that starts. Wigs, it's still like fall. Okay, cool. Wigs, covert communication devices, fake rocks. In our world of electronic everything, where everything becomes a matter of record, where you can't enter a parking garage without the license plate being recorded, where you can't check in for a flight or hotel without a government issued ID, where you can't use a credit card without the location being captured, how can biometrics be defeated? How can someone get past fingerprint readers? In 99 out of 100 cases, the answer is there is no need to. Most signature reduction soldiers travel under real names, exchanging operational identities only once on the ground where they operate. Or they infiltrate across borders in places like Pakistan and Yemen, conducting the most dangerous missions. These signature reduction missions are the most highly sensitive, involve close-in intelligence collection, blah, blah, blah. It goes here. For the 1%, though, for those who have yet to make it through passport control under false identities, there are various biometrics defeat systems, some physical, some electronic. One such program was alluded to in a little-noticed document dump published by WikiLeaks in early 2017 called Vault 7, over 8,000 classified CIA tools used in the covert world of electronic spying and hacking. It is called Express Lane, where U.S. intelligence has embedded malware into foreign biometrics and watchlist systems, allowing American cyber spies to seal, steal foreign data. An IT wizard working for WikiLeaks in Berlin says the code with Express Lane suggests that the United States can manipulate these databases. Imagine for a moment that someone is going through passport control, he says, hesitant to use his name because of fear of indictment in the U.S. NSA or the CIA is tasked to corrupt change the data on the day the covert asset goes, goes through, and then switch it back. It's not impossible. Another source pointed to a small rural North Carolina company in the signature reduction industry, mostly in the clandestine collection and communications field. In the workshop and training facility where they teach operators how to fabricate secret listening devices into everyday objects, they are at the cutting edge, or so their promotionals materials say, a repository for molding and casting, special painting, and sophisticated aging techniques. This is literally the bad grandpa. Like it does not like that. That guy, the guy in that vine, was like, "You put the gray goose, yeah, 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 you yeah. put the gray goose in the water bottle." You think it's water, playboy? Ain't no water, playboy. But the popo don't know that, dude. 
The popo thing is water, baby, but this motherfucking, motherfucking gray goose, baby. Yeah, he's like, Popo think it's water, but it's Grey Goose, baby. <laughs> this quiet company can transform any object, including a person, as they do in Hollywood. A silicone-faced appliance sculpted to perfectly alter someone's looks. They can change age, change gender, and increase body mass, as one classified contract says. And they can change fingerprints using a silicone sleeve that fits so snugly over a real hand it can't be detected. Embedding altered fingerprints and even impregnated with the oils found in real skin. Whoa. Ask whether the appliance is effective. One source who has gone through the training laughs. If I tell you, I'll have to kill you. He's the office cut up, folks. <laughs> this is the guy. Oh, man. He is for lamp shame on the, like that clearly is like an annoying uh, epic bacon guy. So That's the most fucked he up. He got thing. into that job so that one day he could say that to somebody. That's awesome because it's like these guys are doing they're creating like a Truman show for the entire world. Yeah, and, yes. But like, you know what types of guys they are? Because it's like they're doing that and like definitely not really having any like moral compunctions about it. They're just like, yeah, no, we have to do this. But like the types of people they are is like, um, huh, go fuck yourself, San Diego, as they're leaving exactly. the office. Yeah, like, they're, they're, they're quoting Anchorman and another shit. Another thing that I think made people resist this, these ideas is that they think, well, that means that like these bureaucrats have to be evil in a way that is not realistic to me. And no, these are just regular cringe-pilled cringe normies mm -hmm. and they they go into government service and they can say oh you're in the army we're gonna say we're gonna protect the country and you're like okay cool where's my office and they just do their job that's like and that's like the most terrifying person the like in terms of raw power raw power of what they can accomplish and they can be good or bad it, it, this is not a moral judgment because this person can both be evil and can be good and often will take to these with equal enthusiasms and for similar reasons is the redditor yeah and these are redditors yeah these are redditors this is the next stage of evolution so, is the redditor well because reddit taught you how to be a cyber human yeah now we're all have like twitter people say twitter isn't real life uh no twitter now is real life because real life is twitter and like the implication for that i think people don't get they think yeah twitter is real life that means what happens there matters it's like no, Twitter's real life because none of it matters anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's the whole thing. It's now it's a singularity. And so if you the people who can like manipulate that logic, that rhetorical logic, that public logic are going to be able to advance and that's redditors. Redditors are like they are stronger than like uh cringe boomers or like based zoomers or like the S the dreaded SJW or and all the people you're familiar with on Twitter, the Tumblr refugees, the barstool people. They're even the redditors are even stronger than them. Yep, they're the strongest because they're not troubled by the neuroses as the rest of these no. people. Because they have they've they've come to terms with being a cyberhuman. The rest of these people are bucking against their conditioning, and they're they're trying to like work. They're trying to eat out like the 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 nanobots of, out of their body. The yeah. redditor is at home with it, which means he can glide through. He doesn't have to justify himself. He doesn't have to have like self destructive uh, uh, ventings to to make up for like the horror he feels. He's just like. He's taking care of business. He's right. securing the bag. So, he feels he feels at home with this new cyber reality. And also, the important thing is the social component of the redditor. The redditor is the most disrespected across every platform. Everyone makes fun of it. Whenever someone makes a bad post, oh, you know, Reddit. That's Reddit. Oh, yeah. That's Reddit. But it's like people are still posting there. And it's, it's true. growing. Yep. And they won't stop. And they keep adding people. Yep. No matter yep. the fact that every place is like, oh, Reddit fucking sucks. Redditors are stupid. They keep growing at an alarming clip 
and becoming stronger. And they may Reddit may soon capture the mayorality of New York. Yep. Where do they go from there? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, again, like just of what is revealed in this article like they say 60,000 people and again like i bet yeah, the I'm number sure is probably twice that yeah, yeah. Uh, you know 60,000 not people soldiers yes people in the employee people who, who are like, basically in uniform even though they're, they're out of uniform who are not supposed to operate in america who are operating and by operating i mean like technically at war like doing military operate covert military operations that were where it's not like some james bond spy mission it's they're collecting like 50 packages a day from all over like the virginia maryland area and then mailing them somewhere else for god knows what reason or they're fucking uh putting on prosthetic makeup to look like the six flags dancing old man before they park a fucking u-haul filled with fertilizer in front of a courthouse they just hop out of the fucking u-haul those masks are great but it's like they're not doing ethan hunt uh no it looks like shit it looks like shit imagine them trying to move the lips yeah like that's not there for him to like go in the bathroom and dramatically take them off it's to be seen and publicly in a place yeah so like so why that, so would that, they so want to do that so yeah. that eyewitnesses will just be like oh i'll remember sort of an old looking yeah. guy it's not like to interact like, like i said like you see the 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 example of it that's in this article and it's like hilariously bad like the johnny knoxville bad grandpa should look oh, better than yeah. this so, garbage. yeah well, way better and the thing is like like what they're doing is like it is no different than the beginning of good time yeah like the, the, yeah. they desperately <laughs> try to rob that bank with those like expensive latex masks yeah. that make them look like old men or yep. whatever or like a lot of criminals now are using like are using like race swapping like yeah, masks there was this and shit. Black that, dude who who had a white he did the white uh, Ethan Hunt thing and he robbed like forty houses in a city. <laughs> that guy's awesome. Oh, absolutely respect. And especially you got to imagine, since, I bet cops are doing the opposite. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Especially since I got to say, like a, a nicely executed uh, burglary, one of the more refined crimes in my opinion. Oh, oh yeah. Whenever I hear about someone getting away with like a burglary, I'm happy for well, them. Well, like especially like second story guys. Like those guys are like skilled artisans of the criminal class. Like you can't just dick around to do that. You got to go around alarms and, and shit. And burglary means there was no one there. So yeah, like there's, exactly. there's like it's a gentleman's crime. Mm-hmm. There's no yeah. violence being committed. Yeah, like it's the just, wet bandits. From, yeah, uh, Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, complete respect. The only <laughs> violence being done was by that awful child, that psychotic, autistic kid, wretched beast. Uh, <laughs> by the way, you. Uh, I'm sorry, you cannot be for prison abolition and stand uh, Kevin McAllister. It's not a no. That's not, a no, that is a punitive justice system. No, that's community defense. <laughs> <laughs> but again, de- decolonized dialectics in that house. So sort of like like there, yeah. There's all this tradecraft and traditional spy shit. But again, like the article doesn't even come close to answering. What are these people doing? What are they? What doing? is this like? Like a hundred thousand, probably like secret soldiers yep. operating in America under fake names with fake license plates and fake cars that are registered under another fake name, driving around doing like suburban office jobs or Christ knows what else. Yeah. Like what? Like, like what I are honestly they, feel like, and honestly probably befriending you on the internet. I mean, I don't like, want to make everyone like lose their mind yeah. over this shit because it's like I, I think the real trick is like the more you think about it, the more power it has over you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, so like either and you can just assume everyone. Is I honestly or feel, isn't, and I honestly sort of, feel like that is why this was released. Well, like because I, this is it is another drop of poison in the air. It is another thing to stir the fishes. Like a lot of limited hangout stuff is designed to obscure a greater truth. I feel like sure they're not going to tell us specifically what they're doing, but I don't think they're lying at all. I think they're mostly saying, "Yeah, this is what we do," and now you just get to have that in your head and good luck and enjoy that. And that is why, honestly, I've been thinking about this. I would not be surprised. In fact, I might even bet it. Maybe give me the right odds that within 20 years, the fucking government comes out and uh, 
admits that the Kennedy assassination was done by the CIA. I mean, yeah. by that point, like because when, when, yeah, it's like in another twenty years of this, another ten. It's like, hey, things are really bad. You know, the 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 TikTok riots have they've taken <laughs> another sector. And it's like, all right, well, let's give people uh, something to chew on, and also to be demoralized by, and that is, yeah, we killed the president. Well, that's like that's why you have to look at it the way that I'm looking at this, the same way that I look at it when I am in a life or death morality struggle with an Airbnb owner. It's like. Any, if any of your friends, you know, they want you to be like, oh my God, I have to go through my friends who works at a fake company. Did this guy have a fake rock at his house? Like, what's going on? Instead, you should think of it as an opportunity. The next time you are being awful, you're being annoying, you're talking about something that no one really cares about, but you just want to hear yourself talk about it, you are wasting the time of a government agent. You're wasting <laughs> yes. the time of the secret army. Yeah, it's army. like you, you, the government is burning money on you. I just realized that these guys have been actually embedded in pop culture to get us ready for this. Tommy on Martin, remember him? <laughs> the recurring joke that nobody knew what his job was? Yeah. He was he was sheep dipped in yes. the fucking- <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Gina. Damn, Gina, what's army? Tommy up to? He's the secret army. Ah, oh, hell no. Nah. But like but like Oh, like they talk about like one percent of this shit is in like Pakistan or Yemen. Like that means ninety nine percent of it is just in suburban Virginia yep. or like just online yep. and your Facebook. Just online, feed. just clickety clacking yeah. away in an office job. Like they're they're in, they work in a in a in a uh, they work like maybe they work in an insurance company and they actually do work in an insurance company and they you spend know. they spend like most people three hours a day actually <laughs> just posting. Working, yeah, and they spend the rest of their time at work posting only in, and they're doing the same shit we're doing, uh, going through the. The social media sites going and seeing the chatter and then commenting. Only they're doing it for a paycheck from Uncle Sam with the direct uh, order to stir the fucking pot in one way or another. I went to Fort Bragg for two years to learn how to be a Remax agent and then go on <laughs> and then go online and be like, yeah, y'all do realize that you sent a video Sam as an abuser, right? <laughs> you had to fucking like study for the realtor's license yeah. to get that to yeah. do that shit fucking val kilmer from spartan told me how to do that <laughs> uh, but no this is free like the thing about this shit is if it's true it's not you can't know and you still have to live and you just have to trust your gut yeah you can't you otherwise what are you gonna do what are you going to do? Yeah. All you can do is like waste one of these people's time. Yeah. Or All just, you could do is like hope that when you're just being fucking awful, you're being unbearable, that you, the person you happen to be talking to is from the secret army and they're like, no, uh, keep going about who your least favorite Harper's writer is. For like another hour. I mean, I guess like the, the only thing, like the only practical bit of like, you know, knowledge or advice to glean from any of this is just like, Anyone who in any context is encouraging you to like buy a gun or do anything violent is for sure an undercover secret because army officer. Because here's the thing. You can make an argument and a cogent one that I might even if I've had a new few I've had enough drinks agree with that the the current material conditions demand some sort of military style preparation if only for own personal defense. I'd take that argument, but I would not accept the corollary that you should then be going online to fucking post about it. Because if those conditions ob- ob- obtain, then that you should be fucking keeping that shit to yourself. Yeah, this keeping is, yeah. that shit offline. So why are you doing this publicly unless yeah. you are either a clown who doesn't recognize the stakes or someone who is actively uh, trying to instigate something? Yeah. Because 
yeah, like the online, it's too easy. It's too low a cost for them to put people out there to just stir the fucking pot. You have to be like on the ground in your life where you might make those decisions instead of letting some fucking like a uh, bunch of epic memesters, half of whom are fucking probably in the secret army, and the other ones are just earnest Labradors telling you, no, you should post your of the, you should post your AR. Uh, get real close so we can see the fucking uh, like the VIN number on it or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Well, there we go. Just uh, more, <laughs> just more reasons to be paranoid. But like that's the thing is like that in and of itself is the goal here. Yeah. You know, so exactly. it's sort of like you can't exactly. you can't fix it one way or the other. Just so just to just live just your yeah, exactly just live chilling your life the way the, you would otherwise. Chilling is the only way to defeat this you know because yeah. you can't stop them right now from doing this. What you can stop is letting the the second order effects of that of demoralization and paranoia not take effect the government and the way to inoculate yourself army, against that is to have uh, real friends in your like actual yeah, life yes yeah exactly the secret army doesn't want you to do you chill or listen to music <laughs> yeah so you have to do those yeah. things and um i gotta say like you know this is maybe there's maybe been some insanity inducing things you know a pessimistic episode for sure but um you know, we like to be optimistic sometimes and show people how they can, you know, they can start change in their world and grow it to a global scale. Right now, after my last salvo, the Airbnb owner has not responded to my incredible, <laughs> my incredible interpretation <laughs> of the Airbnb rules. Knowing that I am a superior legal mind, I interpret this to mean I have won the Airbnb <laughs> argument. A better world is possible. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah, um, charging me like a hundred dollars for having like two people were over here at ten p.m. It was the compromise. <laughs> Fuck around, and find Fuck out. Around. <laughs> Fuck around and find out, folks. Well, there's the greatest... uh, there's more of us than there are of them. That's yeah. the only that's, that's, that's yeah, the thing no. to remember. And yeah, they're, they're, uh, the only way they win is if uh, they get in your head. And, and the reason I and and the real the last thing I want to end on is. Even if the even if the the paranoid most paranoid possible reading is right, like that we are fixed in this 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 black iron prison of surveillance and and uh, intelligence, uh, and you decide I'm going to pursue that as like uh, that that reality. I'm going to let that consume me. I'm going to like try to find. I'm going to try the answers. I'm going to try to find out who is and isn't. I'm going to be a detective. You will end up, and I've, we've already seen so many people get there already on an accelerated time frame, you will end up like Gene Hackman at the end of the conversation, only you'll be posting in your fucking... Uh, <laughs> you won't even know how to play saxophone. Instead of fucking playing the saxophone. <laughs> you'll be on Twitter with all the fucking uh, drywall ripped out. Because there's nothing else to do. If you're all alone, there's nothing for you to do. Yeah. Except drive yourself mad trying to get an answer that won't matter. And, and, and he, the most, the biggest message of that movie, I love that movie, the big message of that movie is like, even if you're sad, like don't make a mess. Yeah, you're just gonna have to clean it up. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's like, well, uh, look at this. Now, come on. Yeah, look at what you have oh, to do. You didn't solve anything, and now you have a big mess on your hands. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, what if you have company? Yeah, oh, that's embarrassing. As long as we're talking about movies, uh, Felix, I watched a movie. Uh, I just like I, I had it on my computer, so I didn't have to use the shitty like airplane Wi-Fi. But I watched a movie on the flight out here that I swear to God, like I want to make you watch it just for pure torture. Because if you thought Gosford Park 
was like a traumatizing can you, experience can you, to you. Can you not then, say that then, word? Okay. Some of us have been triggered screen, by I'm, I'm going to screen for you British director Mike Lee's Topsy Turvy, which oh, is a three hour period musical about uh, Gilbert and yeah. Sullivan's Mikado. Guys, a better world is not possible. <laughs> I will be killing myself. It's, not it's even actually the it's Mikado, actually, it's behind the scenes. Yeah, it's about, it's about the, it, it, oh, re, the making you, of the Mikado. Yes, yeah, so are you awesome. interested yeah, wow. about like, about, how an important of creative turmoil in their life, uh, like they just happened upon creating like their their biggest banger ever, and they they introduced Japan to the world. I would, um, yeah, I'm gonna kill myself. Uh, no, it's, it's actually the it's actually a, a beautiful, brilliant movie because Mike Lee is one of like the best directors. I prefer alive. his uh, prefer his son Jet and his works. <laughs> Not, a great movie, Hero. <laughs> um, I know. Actually, in closing, I'll just say. I totally understand and accept why anyone thinks that I'm a CIA agent, yeah. but like my cat is not. Marty has nothing to do with this. Marty is a real cat, and he's not involved in what any agency. What about Sid and Dude? They're agents. Yeah, They're yeah, ops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are ops. B is an op for sure. I have, I have news for you. Uh, recently, a limited hangout from the Pentagon, Marty is actually a dog. <laughs> <laughs> this is what, like I said metaphysical existential just destabilization of yep. like the very foundations of your life we I love it folks i found out it's illegal to have a serval in new york yeah and that's like that is a as it should be we need to like quote we need to turn up the heat on cuomo <laughs> absolutely that. that's the biggest quality of life well, shit, yeah you utilize weed because he was doing too yeah. much me too shit yeah his man it's awesome that like he became he like did like four things people wanted and one of those things was just not being personally involved with the vaccine. So they instantly got like better at distributing them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, because his, like, his Me Too's were so awesome when he was like, Do you know Lisa? You look like her sister, but more beautiful. It's like, is this, have you ever like fucked anyone? <laughs> Has this ever worked on anyone? Like, I know you have daughters, but. I need to. I, now I need scientific verification that these aren't just children you found. Because <laughs> there's no way, like Janet, you have a spectacular chest. Like, what the fuck are you doing? See, once again, I think it's a limited hangout. He's actually just identical to the governor from uh, "You Were Never Really Here." Oh no. God, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Well, all right. Uh, Till next time, gentlemen. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Keep watching the skies. Knows where to do the most harm is in the secret